0: You're listening to Group, a podcast about mental illness and mental health. This is the show for the warriors.
1: Very anxious right now. A lot of anxiety. Um, a little nervous. The depressives.
2: This is a depression beard. I'm depressed right now.
0: And the folks trying to get a handle on their issues.
2: You flushed your shoes down the toilet. Why would you do that? It's an anxiety
0: thing, Charlie. Our goal is to tell your stories, to make you laugh, and to give you an audio hug through your earbuds. I'm Rebecca Lee Douglas, your resident anxious person, and with me today, all the way from Seattle, Washington, the nation's capital of glass blowing studios, we have my co-host, science writer Ian Chant. <laughs> hey, Ian. Did you know that you were the nation's capital of blowing studios?
2: I-, I figured we must be because this is where Dale Chihuly runs his, like, feudal surf system out of. What? And, uh, is, yeah. he a, is
0: he a fancy glass blowing person?
2: He's like the fanciest glass blowing person, except he doesn't do any of his own shit. He like hires interns and then okay. they do the work and then he puts it in museums under his name.
0: Aha, aha. So throwing some shade on the old
2: Chihuly over there, I guess. mean, He's a very old, rich, white dude. He can, <laughs> he can take a little shade Yeah, it's what he richly deserves it. Um,
0: so I'm, I'm very happy to have you here today, Ian. I'm sure the listeners are I'm happy to have you back. back. It's the show. So how are you doing? How's your anxiety level?
2: Um, it's, it's generally pretty good. It's wildly high today. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, I had, I had one of those days at work where you come in and something's wrong and it just turns out that, no, it's not that you came in and that's wrong. It's that you came in and everything is wrong oh, and no. that's just the first thing you noticed
0: oh no oh no uh, yeah those are stressful days
2: <laughs> yeah i have i have had kind of a day i am i am glad to have it in the rear view uh-huh. um, and i'm delighted that someone gifted me some some very high quality cannabis so oh
0: good yeah so maybe that'll take the edge off a little bit and that's that's kind of what i'm hoping so for the listeners, we're putting together uh, a few episodes exploring different types of psychological disorders. We're working on one on hypochondria and one on schizophrenia and a couple other neat shows. Uh, so subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you have them as soon as they come out. And please leave us a review. It means a lot. Thanks to listeners. I have your your Apple podcast name here, MWAG231 and Space fan. NW for writing like really particularly kind things about group Uh, yeah I don't know your your real names but
2: really appreciate it it's so refreshing to see someone be anonymously kind on the internet I
0: know it's really wonderful I think we have a, a good community of people here We had a a couple rather serious episodes recently. We just did a couple episodes um, about grief, and so I thought we were due for a goofier one, and I wanted to do something fun today, so I thought we'd just talk about some of the mundane, everyday things that seem to cause a lot of anxiety for anxious people, or, you know, we have to spend, like, a lot of mental energy worrying about things that you know, just seemed to happen every single day. I thought I could go through some of the weird little things that make me anxious. Um, You know, Ian, I thought we could talk about some of your things, get your thoughts on my things. Uh, And I I thought it would just be, you know, cathartic and fun and and would lead to some serious anxiety bonding.
2: Or at least some serious anxiety.
0: (laughs) We also have uh, voicemails from listeners and friends of the show about some of the things they worry about
3: people blocking entrances and exits like always just makes me very anxious and so as i'm walking past them i turned to them and i said don't block the staircase and this woman called after me that's so rude and i immediately whipped back around to her and i said i'm not blocking the damn staircase
4: i don't really like doing small talk because it's always awkward like Oh, where do you go to school? Where do you live? Where are you from? Oh, please, don't talk to me.
1: When it comes to actually packing, it takes me hours. I have to try on everything I'm going to wear in all the different combinations so that I can pack the least amount of stuff but be prepared for the most situation.
0: So stay tuned for some serious overanalyzing. As always. As always. Does going to the post office give you anxiety?
2: I think for me, I'm one of the, and I, and I think this is fairly common. When I'm at the post office, I generally, I'm passing the exit for anxiety. I'm just flooring it to full on rage. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so it's more
0: I'm, of an I, anger situation if you're at yeah, the post
2: office. I'm, I'm just heading, I'm, it's not anxiety so much. I'm just heading immediately. I want to find the quickest route possible to inappropriate degrees of anger in a public space. Rage
0: is sort of missing from my personality, and I know that it can be a helpful emotion at times. Like, at other times, it can get in your way and make things a little bit harder and more frustrating. But I don't I don't have rage. I just turn the rage inward and, you know, at
2: myself. So oh, well, <laughs> the good news is that's a big part of rage. So you do have rage. <laughs> Press it differently.
0: So I, it makes me very anxious to go to the post office. I never know what type of package to use. There are, are different types of packages that you have to pay for. And then others that you don't have to pay for. And I don't know which ones you have to go up to the counter to purchase. And it's confusing to me about like, when you have to weigh things, None of the labels seem descriptive to me. It doesn't seem like there are any instructions posted anywhere that say, (laughs) if you have this type of item that weighs this much, get this type of package. If you want it to arrive by this time, do this. Like, I don't know where to put the package once it's finally wrapped. It seems like there's either, like, some random box in the corner of the office or you have to get in line to give it to the attendant. And I end up asking the postal employees, like, all of these questions. And then I just get stressed out because I feel like I'm this idiot white girl who doesn't know how to do basic things like mail packages. It's just how do mail? Yes. And so like, you know, what I'm hoping is that even if you don't feel these same feelings that you will like validate me and make me not feel crazy.
2: (laughs) Going, going to the post office is a miserable (laughs) experience. And I think the good news about that, about having this anxiety uh-huh. Uh-huh. is that you're going to get to dance on its grave in your lifetime.
0: You think it's going to close? Well, also I don't want people to like lose their jobs. Like,
2: well, you know... I don't want people to lose our job their jobs either, but also like the world changes and jobs no longer exist. And this is going to be one of them reasonably soon. It's not going to be tomorrow, but in 20 years, it's going to be cursive. It's just going to be like one of those dumb things that we all had to learn to do and uh-huh. navigate. And now. Or not and,
0: learn. And, and, <laughs> or and, never yeah, learn. Try. try very hard and fail.
2: And, and the second we got good at it, everyone stopped doing it. It stopped needing to be uh, a skill that you needed in the world. That was meant to be comforting. And I think it started in a comforting place. I don't know. It's like, stay the course.
0: I, I guess like that's something to look forward to that. I won't always have to do this, but then there's, you know, I do, I do feel bad. Like I think the postal service, the U S postal service is a romantic notion. There's something about it that I love, even if I don't actually want to, you know, engage with it myself. (laughs)
2: Not for the first time. I'm noticing that you and I have very different ideas of what constitutes a romantic notion. <laughs> I will say, and I think I think this might be a little more helpful, and I suspect this applies to a lot of the things that we'll, we'll talk about today. I, I think there's some comfort to be taken in the fact that you're not the only person who is being made uncomfortable by being at the post office. It's a pretty universal sensation.
0: You think so? Uh-uh. I feel like everybody else knows just, what they're doing there when I'm there, and I don't know what I'm doing.
2: I, I feel like you might be worse than your average postal customer <laughs> I Um I feel like that's a that sounds like a real concern for you. Are you just like bringing like whatever you have to mail? No. And, like, nope. and, like, I picture you showing up to the post office with like just like a, a plastic Safeway bag full of the things you have to mail. Well, okay,
0: let me tell you, okay, the last time I went to the post office, it was because I was selling some old equipment on eBay. So I had sold a couple things, um, a microphone and a pair of headphones. And, like, I hadn't been to the post office in, like, years. I managed to avoid going to the post office. So eBay gives you these, like, prepaid postage printouts. That was a lot of Ps. So I had these printouts, and they were, like, correlated with different like types of packaging. And I went to the post office and I didn't see like the types of packaging labeled. And so I had to like, go get in line, go ask the woman, like what types of packages do these two things go to? She like gave me a look like I was stupid. And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm, Did you, know. you
2: make that voice? <laughs> Cause if you, <laughs> that, if you made that, if you made you put on like, I'm a person who's gone to the post office before. <laughs> voice. Then you might have earned that look,
0: I didn't unfortunately, I think that maybe getting in character or something might have relieved some of the anxiety, but I didn't do that. I didn't think to do that. <laughs> but then, um, I thought that they would have free bubble wrap and tape there because growing up when I went to the post office, they had free bubble wrap and tape in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And so I had to like you know, ask them. they were like, no, so then I had to go around the corner and get bubble wrap and tape and then you know, I wrapped the packages and couldn't find out where to put them. And so then I had to get in line again to ask the lady, like, I was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like one more question. Like, where do I put these? She pointed to a a box in the corner and she was like, she was like over there. And then afterwards I left and I was like elated. I was so proud of myself for having gone to the post office and mailed the packages. I like got myself fro on the way back. I was like, you did a great job, Rebecca. You
2: earned your treat.
0: <laughs> and then I got a message two days later from the buyer on eBay saying that they wanted a refund because the microphone never arrived. The mailing address wasn't taped on well enough and it fell off. So so I just gave away the microphone and it's like lost somewhere in the postal service ether. And uh, I just failed. I just, I just went there, was very stressed out, asked, annoyed the postal service lady, asked her way too many questions, bought bubble wrap and tape and failed and failed. Lost $40. This
2: was was a top to bottom box. There was nothing you could salvage from this one. So I mean, at least you got (laughs) Froyo.
0: That's true. I was just feeling like I was there and I like saw this other guy who was there and he like brought his own bubble wrap already. He like knew what was going on. I was feeling like, wow, this guy, this oh, guy Doc, has Doc it together.
2: First over here brings his own bubble wrap. Did he bring enough for the class?
0: I sort of like wanted to bro down with him and be like,
2: no, you, you gotta, you gotta be like, bro, let me hit that bubble wrap real quick.
0: But he was, he earned it because he was
2: prepared. I was. But you're in, you're in a, you're in as, as close to a pure civic space uh as you can get in modern America. So Mm. I I think, look, he, I'm not saying he has to say yes. I'm saying it's definitely okay to ask. And I'm also saying he kind of has to say yes.
0: (laughs) This, it doesn't make me want to go back to the post office any no, it
2: should going going to the post office is empirically bad and and i don't think you should like like feel weird or 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 out of the ordinary that you have anxiety about it
0: okay thanks ian so tangentially sort of related ian do you open mail immediately when you receive it
2: I throw it out immediately (laughs) when I receive it. Uh, I've largely stopped opening it. Oh, really? Uh, Okay. I'm screening my my mail like I screen my phone calls anymore. Uh Like, if I know who it is from, then I will open it. Because, you know, maybe it's a freelance check. Maybe it's Uh a birthday card. I don't pick up unknown phone calls. And I do not open strange mail. All my mail is trash anyway. There's literally just a pile of garbage that I have not thrown away yet. Yes, okay. on top, on top of my bookcase, and it's because I resent having the garbage because I didn't make the garbage. It's literally garbage that someone put in a mailbox and said, Oh, I'll bet you'll want this fucking trash' This,
0: okay, this is making me feel a lot this, better actually put in his house and he can throw out for me because i have a I have a lot of guilt about not opening a lot of my mail similarly, like if I see something and it's a card or there's it's handwritten on the outside and I know who it's from, I will open it but if if I'm not certain about what it is, then it's sort of like the fear of the, the unknown a little bit. I don't know. Like, yes. I don't know what's in it. I don't know if it's going to be bad. I don't know. Like I, I haven't had any traumatic mail experiences in my life where I've opened something and it's been like, you know, a hate letter or something like that. So I don't know what's causing this. Oh, I don't
2: I've ever told you my worst mail story. Oh, what happened? First three or four months after undergrad, after I graduated uh, college, I was working in a uh at, at a printing company that printed and processed uh junk mail for the Pacific Northwest. What? It was a, just a miserable job. We would we would run reams and reams of of mail through this Indicia printer that you know we'd be we'd be running batches of tens of thousands of letters and every 300 letters this thing would jam. And so we'd have to Take it and fix it and see what was the last one and move from there. It was what it sort was, of letters were there? They were junk mail. You said it was junk mail and it was particularly sad junk mail. It was like, we can't wait to see you back at the casino, grandma. Oh. Like, like just truly pallets upon pallets every day of things. No one ever asked or wanted to receive in the mail. Mm hmm that we were sending them. It was a terrible thing to do to people. And I had torn up my shoulder, because at the end of the day, you tote all the bales into the back of the, the giant van and take them to the post office, and then you tote them into the post office.
0: Oh my God, and, you threw your sh- shoulder out doing that?
2: Uh, so I threw my shoulder out doing that, and uh, then I was you know, nursing this bum shoulder and I come home from work one day, and there's a piece of junk mail in my mailbox that I had processed. (laughs) And I had this moment of like, oh, it followed me home. This is not okay. And I literally, I I went to bed that night and I called up the next morning and I just couldn't do it. And I just called and I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm coming in today or ever again. Uh, it was, it was the lousiest way I've ever quit a job, but it uh, doesn't seem
0: like they were a particularly, I don't know, virtuous company and, and anyway,
2: it bummed me out. Cause the, uh, the guy I like worked with every day was a real nice dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got along famously, but everything else about the job was just a waking nightmare.
0: Yeah. Hopefully the mail that I'm not opening is mostly junk. I, I, no. I all,
2: all mail is all mail is trash. All mail is garbage, and the U.S. Postal Service is a grift that has run its course. So I'll put,
0: you know, I'll open the mail that I know what it is, that I know what's in there, and then um, I have this habit of like putting the other mail on my counter or something, or sometimes it'll end up in a drawer in my like kitchen area, and. Then once it's in the drawer, it's like out of sight, out of mind, and like
2: I'll
0: I'll forget about it for a little while. And then like every so often, like once a month, I'll have to like binge, binge open like junk mail. Like I'll have to sit down. I'll like take out all of this junk mail, and then I'll open it. And um, oh,
2: Rebecca, no, yeah.
0: So and then I'll like throw out, you know, recycle most of it. And then sometimes. You know, sometimes there's good stuff in there. Like sometimes like, No, no,
2: no. Like what you can't you can't just hand wave that one.
0: Well, like sometimes you can't be like,
2: oh, sometimes good junk mail is good. Well, For instance,
0: well sometimes no it's example. like a, a free underwear coupon from Victoria's Secret or something like that. Which that's okay. the... free underwear's not bad. Yeah, which I I mean I'm not I don't I don't think I've ever used one of them, but I have a friend who does get all of her underwear by just uh, using those free Victoria's Secret coupons, so You're
2: running that old free underwear <laughs> grip—that's a classic.
0: Sometimes there are, there was a doctor's bill in there that I, I needed to pay. So I, you, you have to like, I feel like I have to open it. I have to address it, but it just like, it's very stressful for me. And sometimes I, like, I come home and I feel like I don't have the emotional energy to look and open up all of the, the unknown stuff. So no,
2: that's what you use. You throw it in a bag <laughs> you throw, put the bag in a larger bag you throw, throw that bag in the nearest river okay you
0: thank fine. you for affirming me this is very good yes.
2: i do need to say we literally just spent half an hour complaining about the postal <laughs> service the fact that we do not have a stamps.com ad coming up here i know it is criminal. really crazy it's criminal i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed for us i'm embarrassed for stamps.com
0: I have a voicemail that I thought we could play from Faith, who is a, Faith Rusk, who is a, a devoted listener and supporter of the show, and I've known for years, uh, I've referred to as my personal emotional support human, so I thought we could listen to her voicemail together and then, uh, and then reflect then do some reflection.
1: Hi, Becca and Ian, this is Faith. Um, I have packing anxiety. I'll usually start to get anxious about a trip a few days before I go. Sometimes it's even earlier, but usually like a couple days before I leave, I'm like, oh, I have so much to do before I go. And I'll make a list of things that I need to pack. The actual act of making the list helps assuage my anxiety a little bit. When it comes to actually packing, it takes me hours. I have to try on everything I'm going to wear in all the different combinations so that I can pack the least amount of stuff but be prepared for the most situations. And I can't just trust that a shirt and pants combination that I've worn before will work. I have to try it on again with the shoes, with the scarf, with the jewelry or whatever to make sure that it's still a combination that I like. And it doesn't just apply to long trips. It'll apply to like a weekend too, which makes no sense. I'll wear the same pair of jeans for the whole weekend and the same pair of shoes, and it's not like I'm dressing up. And I'll still agonize and like have to try on everything to make sure I have the you know best best sweater for the weather and make sure that I have appropriate layers. And another really great aspect of this anxiety is that weather is super unpredictable. So I'll like compulsively check my weather app days in advance, but obviously like days later it changes. So sometimes I'll, like, map out a lot of stuff in my head, and then I'll go and check the weather and be like, just kidding, it's not going to be 60 degrees and rainy. It's going to be 80 degrees and sunny, and now I have to start all over again. And um, I just leave myself plenty of time to pack to make sure that I can go through all of this. Okay, bye.
2: <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I miss Faith dearly, but I have no frame of reference for this.
0: So... I've known Faith for 11 years and I find her packing anxiety very charming. Whenever she comes to visit me in New York from D.C., you know, even for like just a weekend or something, she'll always call with questions. And she'll be like, what type of computer <laughs> charger do you have? Like, can I borrow your computer charger while I'm there so that I don't have to pack it? Like, she wants to know all the activities that we're doing. So she'll make sure that her footwear is appropriate. I have to be make sure that I have all of my activities with her planned out so that she has... She can like quell her packing anxiety because
2: And so that you're not you're not throwing monkey wrenches into the gate, you're not like gonna do go do a thing that we're not packed for. Yeah.
0: So she is very supportive of like the weird things that I'm anxious about. I wanna be supportive of her anxiety. I feel bad that this causes her discomfort but I also feel like I benefit from it greatly because packing for her also always includes snacks great snacks which is good when you're like on a stuck on a bus with her or something and she'll always have different options and then she always has like tissues and like a little pharmacy with Tylenol and allergy medicine and like different like you know hand cream and lip balm and all that stuff
2: i feel like so. just in in faith's purse on an average day yeah it's like it's like a very small cvs
0: she needs to be prepared she needs to be prepared so i think yeah something there's probably something about like control but you well, know, all of this is about control right all say of
2: say what you say what you will about the girl i've never seen her caught off guard
0: exactly yeah it's hard to it,
2: flummox it's wor- that one.
0: yeah it's working so um Faith, we love you and we affirm
2: you. We validate your packing uh, and your parking, I guess, if that's needed.
0: Yes, both. So I'm going to play another voicemail now. Now this is um, a voicemail from my brother Josh Douglas. He's called in a couple times before. He was we featured him on on the grief series. He was kind enough to to leave us a, a voicemail on this show today. Uh, about some of the everyday things that make him anxious.
4: Hey there, Rebecca. This is Joshua Douglas, aka, again, your brother. And yeah, I'm calling in today to share a story about, well, not a story, but how I feel pretty anxious in certain places. Like, a big thing is getting my haircut. I really despise it. Like, it's like going to the DMV for me, and I will. Push back, getting my hair cut and push it back till I've got like the pufferfish hair on either sides of my head. Because <laughs> I usually have a short haircut, but then it like puffs out. Anyway, um, yeah, I really don't like it. Wish I just closed my eyes, put in some headphones. But I, I don't really like doing small talk because it's always awkward. Like, oh, where do you go to school? Where do you live? Where are you from? I'm like, oh, please, don't talk to me. And other similar circumstances that are like Dunkin' Donuts. I love getting me some cold brew in the morning, but really don't like it when I go to Dunkin' enough where the people know my name or know my order. Some people would like that, but I do not like that. <laughs> like to be unknown. I don't know, but yeah, that's my story. Love you, sis. Later.
2: So listening to this for me, I, it, it very much, uh, the, the haircut thing is not super familiar. I've always been like kind of chill about haircuts. They're actually a little bit like, I kind of miss them because I'm just shaving my head now. Would you chat with your barber? I do not chat with my barber. I'm, it's sometimes a half hour just to like chill and not really interact with every, anyone. Okay. At, like so a you've... dead silent haircut. I like I like a haircut so quiet, it feels like, like a car trip with my family when I was a kid. I have I have kind of the same thing with um with with cabs. Yes, like, or like I'm, an Uber
0: or something like that. Yeah.
2: I'm perfectly friendly in a cab or a haircut for like the first like I will make two and one half minutes of very jovial small talk with you. Yeah. And, and once that's done, our interaction is at an end. And this has become a formal business transaction.
0: Yeah, I, I just, sometimes my haircuts are really long, you know, especially if I get it colored also. And then I have to just sit in the chair for like an hour and a half. And I would like to sit there and read a magazine or, you know, look at my phone or something like that. But sometimes they'll, you know, try to make small talk. And I feel like an asshole not talking to them. And so then I'm can,
2: in this weird. Can I ask, have, you, have you tried just like putting in headphones or something? I feel like that'd be like, like the ultimate power move.
0: I, I don't want them to think I'm aloof.
2: <laughs> it feels pretty rude.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I got my hair cut recently and it was a new place and I was reading stories on my iPhone while she was cutting my hair and I usually yeah try to talk with them minimally and just like relax and chill out but this woman was like oh like what are you reading and it was the day of the Cosby verdict and I was like, oh, I'm just reading about this whole Cosby case, and she didn't know who Bill Cosby was. Granted, Uh, she she was Russian, but she's been in the United States for like 20 years, so was she she from the distant past? No, she. I mean, it was. She somehow didn't know who Bill Cosby was, but then, and then I was trying to explain what the situation was, and. I like referenced me too, which was dangerous because then she was like, all those women are bitches who want money.
2: So, so yeah, now, now you're right down the rabbit hole.
0: This is like my nightmare. Right. And then, cause then I'm like sitting there and she has scissors in her hands and she has like control over my,
2: Physical yeah, appearance. How the rest of this interaction goes
0: what she had said was like that these women she was generalizing that like they had willingly engaged in like sexual activity and now they were suing because they wanted money and, right. and, this, and this is
2: you know, by no means an uncommon shitty okay opinion.
0: and so i was like um well, the common theme with Bill Cosby is that he he drugged them and that they were they were uh unconscious when it was happening. And sh- and she was just like, Oh, well most of them are are bitches who want money. So then the rest of the haircut. I was like, should I take this as an opportunity to like try and further explain to this woman, like what I feel, I feel like a... you gotta
2: pick your battles on this yeah, one. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um anyway, that was very stressful. And Josh, we we affirm we affirm you. That's a very <laughs> getting yeah, I feel it, like getting it, your haircut can be stressful because like what if that happens?
2: <laughs> yeah. Also like like get a different hairstylist maybe. Yeah,
0: I'm not going to her next time. There are like other related service industry things that make me anxious. Like so I don't drink beer. And I I like wine, but not all bars have wine. And sometimes, you know, you'll be out with your friends or you'll be at like I'll be at like a beer hall or something. And they'll have only red wine and white wine, which are, you know, usually very crappy options, like two options, red or white. There are the two kinds of wine. (laughs) You don't need more. So like, remember the place that we used to do trivia, 1020, they had like $3 wine options, red and white. So like when I order wine at a brewery, I always feel like the bartender is judging me. And, and I also like sometimes if I get if I get a mixed drink, my favorite go to mixed drink is uh, Jameson and Diet Ginger Ale, because you know, if I'm having the alcohol, I don't want to have both the alcohol and the sugar from the soda, but I feel like ordering diet ginger ale is really lame. And so I have to, like, muster up the courage to order a Jameson and diet ginger ale, which, like, very rarely happens because I feel like such a tool ordering them.
2: I mean, <laughs> as someone who, like, has, has lived my life around a lot of bartenders, uh-huh. um, I think they are not judging you for, like, ordering the house red or the house white. Okay. They are probably judging you for the diet ginger ale.
0: Yeah, okay. Is that even a thing? Yes, there, I mean, there's every type of diet soda. And that doesn't make me feel better that they're judging me. Does that mean I just can't order what I want?
2: Should I just... Do no, I- it, it means that when you're at a bar and you're ordering a mixed drink that's not either like one of their specialty cocktails of the house or, or the, the construction of that drink is... Liquor and mixer. Yeah. You're, you're gonna get a little judged. And I, I think it's not denying yourself what you want. That's not the issue. The issue is becoming comfortable with what you want and that deserve what you want. That you don't care if the bartender is getting a little judgy at you. I want. The, the trick is to, to assume. Everyone is judging you all the time. Yeah. Let's well, I already assume that. Part of your brain that's bothered by uh-huh. it and let it die. Like, the, like the black cat. Wait, am I thinking of the right Poe there? The And let the cat die. The well, proverbial the, the, cat. The proverbial cat. <laughs> okay. Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. So I just either don't order the whiskey ginger ale
2: and no, ordered, feel cool ordered, or ginger. Right. And, you know, here, you know what? Here's the thing. Don't, because, because I think you're overthinking this a little. Yeah. I think, I think you're getting in your own head. Well, I, think
0: getting... I do know, like, whiskey, whiskey ginger ale is cooler than whiskey diet ginger ale. And then, yes. like, straight up whiskey is just cooler than, but I want the mixer. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, I just don't <laughs> want, don't want any judgment with my ginger ale. I look, I wish we lived in the world you're describing. I really do.
0: Mm hmm. Well,
2: it makes me feel a little bit
0: less crazy that you think that this is actually, like, not something that I've completely made up in my head that... The-
2: oh, do. no, bartenders <laughs> absolutely judge what people drink.
0: Do you have any... Do you have any other, like... Do you have any service anxiety when it comes to, like... Will you send things back if they
2: are not exactly right on your plate. It's got to be real bad. Yeah. It's got to be real bad. Uh, In fact, you know what? I don't think I will. I will not send it back and not eat it and leave.
0: Yeah, I really hate sending things back and rarely will do that. Although I was um, Netflix and chilling with my gentleman friend recently and we ordered ramen and it came and it was my ramen was wrong. It had uh, pork in it, and I don't eat pork. And then I was like, "It's fine. I can, There are other things here that I can eat. It's fine. He was like, "You just need call them up, and they'll send you something else." Like you know, they messed up, and I felt I like couldn't do it. And so he did it for me, and they were very apologetic. And I felt I was like, "I don't want to get somebody in trouble. I don't want to get someone you know fired. I don't want to like." They just send it over right away for free, and it was. I mean, yeah
2: because there, there is something about like being in the place with the person. Mm-hmm. If someone like botches my takeout or my, you know, my, my delivery order. I'll generally let them know about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I also worked in the service industry long enough and, and food service particularly. I just don't want to make anyone's day back there worse. Exactly. I don't need to get in, get on anybody's jock that like, mike's not pink enough or something
0: yeah exactly i never ever want to be that that person
2: yeah and i I, I think it's i think it's all sort of sort of connected back to the indisputable fact that you can tell just a ton about a person from the way from
0: the way they treat service service industry workers yeah exactly Okay, so I have one more voicemail here. This is from listener Ruth, who gets uh, very anxious when taking public transportation in New York City.
3: Hi, Becca, this is Ruth. I'm calling from Philadelphia, PA. I lived in New York City for about 30 years, and one of the little anxieties that I faced every day was taking the subway at rush hour particularly the one train, because it's like the tracks are especially narrow on the one two three line. And then people would come on at rush hour and they would just stand in front of the doors. And it would always just like drive me crazy that they were blocking like the only entrance and exit onto the train, completely just ignoring like all the people that were bumping past them. The reason why people blocking the subways and, like, staircases and doors and things like that makes me nervous, but, like, particularly on the subways because, like, the way to get in and out is already, like, so narrow, and usually at rush hour, like, you know, I'm always considerate, and, like, I move to the middle of the train, you know, to make space for other people, and so, like, when I need to get out, like, that's when I need to get out, and I feel like I have to, like, push past 30 like angry people it's just like really unpleasant and it's just totally avoidable one of the other anxieties was just anytime that I saw anybody blocking an entrance or an exit so I have this vivid memory of one day leaving the subway station at rush hour and like this family of tourists had gotten off it was five or six adults or something. And they all were like gathering at the bottom of the stairs. There are all these people pushing past them to get up the stairs and then all these people pushing past them to get down the stairs. And so as I'm walking past them, I turned to them and I said, don't block the staircase. And this woman called after me. That's so rude. And I immediately whipped back around to her and I said, I'm not blocking the damn staircase. So, yeah, people people blocking entrances and exits like always just makes me very anxious.
2: <laughs> oh, I like Ruth. I'm a big Ruth fan.
0: I am impressed that she told those people to stop blocking the staircase cuz I would just squirm by and be like very frustrated. But it I, is I, it I is also interesting. I also
2: definitely do that, but I'm also like like a a tall white dude. I I Yell stuff at strangers that I probably shouldn't, um, because society's told me I can.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that's actually a habit I need to break. But I think, hey, you're blocking the X. I mean, whatever mm-hmm. you're blocking, you should not be blocking it.
0: Yeah, I can. Th- it, this makes me super anxious too on on subways, and it's interesting here because it does seem like there's for Ruth, there's a thin line between like anger and anxiety too. You know, mm-hmm. it's super freaking stressful when you're all packed in there and there are you know the instance she's referring to is people who are standing monsters. in front
2: monsters <laughs> who are standing and in front then, of the door of the subway like they don't i'm not to be using it who are not moving into the subway yeah as etiquette and logistics demands
0: I, I don't have claustrophobia. I'm not claustrophobic, but that is the one time when I feel like, oh God, like they're blocking the doors and there are all these people in here and like, we need to get out. And this is not
1: how society is supposed to be. Well, like, it's, it, because, you know,
2: it's because the, the New York City subway is maybe the, it's the maximum amount of human social interactions that you can pack into a minimum amount of space.
0: With very different types of people, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's one of those things where if ninety percent of people are adhering to the social contract writ large, mm-hmm. then that's a terrible place to be because ten percent art, and that's all that it takes. To and they're
0: screwing up. And then exactly. even if you know if they stand in the you know in front of the door, and then like their backpack keeps the doors from closing, then you like are then
2: you take stuck their backpack there, and you throw it under the train and a person (laughs) is learned
0: so what's even worse than people blocking the doors for me is being stuck on a train when it's not moving which happens constantly you know and it's super stressful when you're trying to get home but even more anxiety inducing when you're going to be late for something like i can feel now like my heart starts beating and my breath gets faster and like my knee will start bouncing and you just feel like completely utterly helpless It, it you know it always reminds me of um that Seinfeld episode where Elaine is on the subway and she's on her way to the the wedding. I'll put the clip at the end of the show. Uh, the, that audio but she like just feels completely trapped and helpless and yeah. she's, you know, well, there's it, the iconic it, like she's screaming. Yeah. It's a
2: really good place to feel like totally powerless because you are yeah. totally powerless. I think the fact that that no one has control over the big picture it makes it so much more important to do those small things right. Um, like we can't control how the MTA is gonna go. We can't control that the track's too old. We can't control that you know the infrastructure's borked and has been for generations. Uh, thanks, baby boomers. Uh, we can't control a lot of the things about the MTA. But what we can control is how we treat one another on there. It's the only thing we can control. And that makes it just wildly, wildly important. And so when you're not treating other people well, it's mm. it's it's that much more galling.
0: I've been on the subway with people who have pissed themselves, with people who have vomited. And it, it makes me like, you know, I'm not a germaphobe at all, except for when I'm on the New York city subway. Like I really do treat it. Like there is human feces coating every pole. And I try very hard not to like touch anything. You're not Um, wrong. (laughs) And then like, if I do have to touch a pole, I do have to hold on. Cause you know, cause then you have to, if you aren't touching a pole, you have to try and like find something to lean on or like, just get really steady traction.
2: Yeah. Try and like surf. Um, You got to really like, just like, Keep one leg completely stiff and the Mm. other leg you just get just like wobbling. You're just like on an axis, like a broken tripod trying to stand up. Yeah, you have
0: to weigh the cost benefit. Like, are you going to have an opportunity to wash your hands soon? Like maybe then it's okay to touch the pole. Uh, Do you have anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? I
2: actually have a nice one to go out on because I recently conquered an anxiety. Oh, great. Um and I, for the last two weeks, uh, a couple times have showered at work. Way to go! Public yeah. shower. My work has a shower. I find it very weird that my <laughs> work has a shower. I'm not particularly comfortable, and I don't really trust it. But mm-hmm. my work has a shower, and I am trying to get back to a, a, a something resembling physical fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to trying to be more active, and so with it being beautiful in Seattle in the summer, I have taken to walking to work, which is like it's probably an hour, hour and a half. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a nice long walk, and I'll you know, I'll stop in the park and do a little yoga and stuff. It's a it's a very it's a very way to nice go scenario, really. But it ends with me having to shower at work, and. I don't have any problem showering like at the gym around a bunch of strangers.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but it feels weird to shower in a professional environment. I get. Yeah. Thank
2: you. Thank you. I've, I've explained this to people who don't get it. And it's like, yeah. oh, no, no, those are a bunch of strangers that I'm never going to see again.
0: Does the shower have like, a? do you have something that you can close so people can't see
2: you or oh, is it yeah. open? No, there's less, oh, there's okay. like, There's basically like a, another bathroom within the bathroom. It's like a yeah. bathroom. It's it so door, like it's its own toilet and its own yeah. shower stall.
0: But still it feels weird that like you're naked, like fifteen feet away from your coworkers it's or whatever. It's so
2: weird being naked fifteen feet away from your co-workers. And if anyone sees you coming out of the shower, they like they know they they know
0: <laughs> you were naked in there.
2: Yeah. Like you didn't take your backpack in to take a dump. I hope. <laughs> so-
0: you which, don't want them to like think about like your naked body because they're exactly. your swords. Which means which means you I acknowledge don't that. Stupid, yeah.
2: And you was just naked cuz you're a dirty boy.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you uh, addressed your anxiety and have done it. Is it has it become easier now that you've started doing it? Is easier,
2: it, you more comfortable yes. with it still weird? Uh, uh-huh. I I I do make a point of getting uh, like if I'm going to do that I get to the office before anyone else in. So Mm -hmm. so I'm like, I'm taking like Ian's secret shower.
0: (laughs) That makes it even more special.
2: Yeah. It's like, it's okay if no one knows.
0: (laughs) That's our show for today. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you download your podcasts to make sure that you have uh, the next episode, when it comes out, and we would we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us uh, a review. If you have a question or a comment or an idea for a show, you can call the group voicemail 707-510-0270 or you can email me, Rebecca, at
2: grouppodcast.com. If you are interested in hearing more podcasts that I do, but don't talk up on all that much, uh, you can check out What Are You Smoking? Uh, and that is a, a podcast that I'm a producer on if you enjoy cannabis recreationally or if you are one of the many many people who uses cannabis as a way to cope with uh, anxiety, depression, any number of things um, you should check out the show
0: um, I've, I've listened to the show and you were on it recently too I'm,
2: I'm on it occasionally
0: I'm, yeah yeah yeah
2: it's, it usually, if I'm on it something has gone wrong <laughs>
0: Um, So yeah, so check out Ian's work on What Are You Smoking, Uh, which is a leafly show. Music in this episode is by The Losers. Take care and be kind to yourself. Everything is going to be okay.
1: My whole life could have changed. What is that on my leg? I'll never get out of here. What if I'm here for the rest of my life? Maybe I'll get out in five seconds. One banana, two
4: banana. Three, banana.